It's time for the showcast. And now, here they are, those pop culture junkies and your hosts, Ben Beck, Adam Gorey, and Steve Richards. Hey everybody, welcome into the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Adam Gorey joining you for season four of our podcast, episode number 15 of this year. Uh, And tonight's guest, or today's guest, whenever you're listening... Uh, you've probably seen on, on some shows, maybe like Stars' uh, hit show Spartacus or Fox's Sleepy Hollow. You've definitely seen him in some big feature films like 300, both 300 films, uh, The Incredible Hulk and Avatar. Um, and now you can actually watch him Mondays on NBC's new supernatural show, Midnight Texas. Uh, please welcome to the show or to the podcast, Peter Mensa. Peter, how's it going? Hi, I'm good. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, we briefly, <clears throat> excuse me, briefly talked off recording. You were mentioning that Midnight Texas's numbers have been looking pretty good. Uh, for anyone who hasn't caught it yet, maybe tell us uh, just a little bit about the show and then your character, uh, Lemuel. Is it Lemuel? Am I saying that right? Uh, Lemuel. Lemuel. Yeah, I'm I, sorry. <laughs> I had a bit of, I had a hard time getting my tongue around it the first time too. But yeah. <laughs> so. Um, Midnight Texas is a story of um, basically a young man is running away from something in his life and uh, he gets into his RV and he's driving away in the desert to a town recommended to him by um, a a relative and he gets there and finds this odd town in the middle of nowhere with um, a number of inhabitants that are unusual. Um, Everyone has his some of them are not quite human, um, human are, but everybody has something to hide. And as we find out, this young man also has a secret. He's actually a psychic. Um, the relative that advised him is his dead grandmother who he has conversations with. And so um, gradually each episode reveals a little bit more about this oddball group. Um, and at the same time, you get to see this group form um, a family unit, and then actually take on a number of events um, that occur as the season progresses. So it's sort of a supernatural um, group drama that sort of goes in several directions at once, but the um, cohesive family is what holds it together. And I play Lemuel Bridger, who is the resident town vampire, a couple hundred years old. he has a unique ability to drain energy, in addition to biting, as traditional vampires do. So, but it allows him to live, live among people without killing them for food. Yeah. And it, so um, there's this synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool because, uh, like you kind of led on to, it's a a great um, kind of group cast there, and it's it's one of those things where it's a, and 
you know, normally you see, you know, supernatural shows are great. First off, we, I mean, we here on the podcast have, you know, talked to plenty of people on supernatural shows like this and, and sci-fi and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I think the, the cool thing is that the, the characters, you know, especially, you know, your character who's a vampire normally, you know, a lot of times you see them in a, in a negative role or as the, the antagonist or something like this, where these, this group um, are kind of like a, a group of anti-heroes in a way, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, and I think, you know, you, you touched on that, that this is one of the things that I love about doing supernatural sci-fi fantasy. We um, are allowed to sort of walk away from the stereotypes, which um, are a bit more difficult to have flexibility with in mainstream um, TV and film. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, yes, um, my character is 200 years old and essentially dead, but he's in a full-blown relationship. And (laughs) you get to have, um, you know, the vampires trying to navigate the issues within relationship, which happens to everybody. Um, So... And the, you know, resident town angel has some of those issues, too. <laughs> um, there's, there's, this is the thing that works, I think. It, it is an oddball group. And the strangeness of the individuals aren't really the issue. The issue in the story is told is, just, is them trying to deal with life. Um, and rather than their, their awkwardness or their oddness. So... It, it makes it a little bit more engaging, I think, because you get involved in the characters. Right. Um, the situations are fantastic at times, but sometimes they're just normal. It's just, you know, um, you and your partner are trying to figure out sort of how to get on. And uh, in the middle of it, the veil between he- heaven and hell is breaking, and you got to go do that too. But it, it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, this season's kind of starting to wind down. Um, like I said, it's it's on Mondays, but there's only technically three episodes left, I believe, uh, this coming Monday, right. uh, the 11th. And then there was supposed to be another episode on the 12th, but I believe there, uh, NBC is putting on this, this, uh, great, uh, type of, um, uh, fun for hurricane Harvey. So I believe it got pushed yeah. back to, uh, to, to Wednesday, the 13th. And then the 18th is That's the finale. Right, yeah. Um, right. what, Monday, yeah. yeah. So there, I mean, there's a lot coming on in the next couple of weeks. What can we expect over these next few, uh, uh, you know, penultimate and then final finale episodes. Um, yeah, I, well, as you alluded to, the, um, the there will be a, uh, another episode on the Monday, then um, the Wednesday following, and then the last is the following Monday. Yeah, so three and in one it, week. It is. <laughs> yes. So essentially, you're going to get three. It's a it's a midnight Texas week, and as the numbers of the show are winding down, the elements in the show are cranking up. So. Um, I think it's sort of the dramas between the individuals are incredibly heightened. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, the issues that the Midnighters as a group has to face um, and the town of Midnight itself really come to a head. So as you may, as you may know, and as some of your listeners will know, the, the stories are based on the, the trilogy of books written by Charlene Harris, who right. wrote the Suki Stackhouse novels that became True Blood. Right. So yeah. it's it, it, fantastic. But in this, I think the the group is less um, about their issues amongst each other as, as different people. It's more the family of oddballs now taking on the issues that fixed the town of Midnight 
and consequently, the, the group, the um, Midnightish, sits on this mythical veil between heaven and hell. So, as the issues in Midnight happen, the, our um, group becomes the heroes that essentially the last standing bastion between sort of our normal life and what happens on the other side. So, in these three episodes, all of that will come to play, and the town will literally blow up as the issues, um, as these scenes come to a head. So. It's going to be a ride. <laughs> yeah, we're we're definitely excited for it. I'm curious from an actor's perspective. Um, you know, I have mentioned some of your past work, and and you're you know you're no stranger to to supernatural or, or fantasy shows or movies. How how has doing a show like this compared to previous years in doing shows, especially with visual effects ever changing and ever growing mm. in, in the field? How has it kind of changed from uh, from now to to stuff you've done in the past? My goodness, um, really good point. I, I, the the nature of television and, and film has changed dramatically, and I think we can all say that TV, especially in technology, is certainly advanced. What we in teachers and all the superhero stuff, and um, in Avatar, and, and to a great extent in what we are doing here um, on Midnight. So. And, and for me, the fun in this is that um, I actually, you know, when you do television, you get many more episodes to explore character and story. Mm -hmm. And Lemuel um, has so much going on, great to actually have to figure out how to navigate all the stuff that this man would have seen over 200 years worth of life. And then to see his naivete in trying to navigate a relationship. Right. Um, at the same time as managing, you know, a deadly sort of hunger within himself, um, vampire to resist blood, and yet here he is amongst humans who he now calls family, and whom he protects. Right. But um, with the technology as it is, you can actually sort of tangibly create and heighten every threat. Um, and it does make playing the character that much more interesting because, you know, nobody has to pretend it literally is happening around us. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's something that, you know, and, in, in especially with like green screens and stuff like that. So it sounds like it's becoming slightly, mm -hmm. um, slightly less of something like, you know, you always hear those stories. People have to, you know, they're acting, uh, and I don't know if you had to do this when you did the Hulk, but I don't remember exactly. Uh, but, you know, for something like the Hulk, you would be essentially um, acting in front of a giant pole that somebody's holding up or something like that. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, you know, let's face it, every, um, there, you know, this is our job. We, 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 we've done this on stage, we do this in improv. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible to um, enter into that world. That's why we do what we do. We can do it. And then um, the tech people can build it around us. Right. So there is a certain amount of suspension of, uh, oh, sorry, diving into the belief required to do the job. Um, so because a lot of things do happen in post, and you may not be acting against a mark. You might actually have, you know, a guy in a blue suit who suddenly turns into a tiger. <laughs> right. Um, and and that's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is that um, when you really, really submit to the story. It allows the technology just to flesh it out and 
um, if you really throw a thousand percent into it, the audience gets to go on that ride with you. And I think that's what I really enjoy about it. Um, I've done a few computer games and, and you know, done stuff that there really was nothing to work with. Um, it actually is a lot easier, um, I think, now. Um, and on, on midnight, we don't just do green screen. I mean, for the most part, you know, the town of midnight has been built. Well, that's cool. In the town, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you really don't get that a lot. Work. No, you don't. NBC really invested in, in creating the, the world. So um, I think it really works because it looks great. And, you know, the New Mexico skyline, um, which essentially is mountains and nothing, and works. It just, it's stark. It's uh, beautiful in its emptiness. And that heightens sort of the look of Midnight Texas. And then, like we talked about this before, the cast is such a family. You know, Francois is great as the sort of troubled psychic. You know, Ariel Cabell is fantastic as an assassin with sort of the sassiest lines. Um, you know, Yule is the reverend and resident creature. Let's just put it that way for those who haven't seen it. Um, you know, and, and Jason Lewis as our uh, angel really fleshes it out. And I think it's all anchored by you know, Devin Bruce um, and, and uh, Prisa Fitzhenry, who really sort of bring a sweetness and the heart to the story. And sort of Sarah is our normal troubled girl. And we actually have managed, I think Monica Breen has really managed to put together a, a hell of a cast. And it works. And I think when you watch from episode one to ten, you really fall for the family of characters and for everything they go through. And I think so far it's worked. Yeah, and and it it comes across on screen and, and character development is it it's a, that's a good note to point out that you know visual effects are are awesome and but character development really is is kind of what uh you know completes the circle uh so to speak when it when it yeah. comes to things like that. And, I mean, you know, from your past with with visually stunning movies like Avatar and 300 like I mentioned, I'm curious right. again kind of when you uh when you read the script for a role like that or a movie like that, um, you know, and, and you, you sign on to do it. Do you have any idea when you take that part that it's going to be, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, uh, you know what I mean? Like it, it, you're read, you're just reading a script. You mm -hmm. don't see that avatar is going to be this crazy visually stunning or that 300s, this also equally visually stunning in a different way, uh, type of movie. I mean, did you have any inkling that it was right. going to be what it, it, what they were at when you filmed them? You, you, well, I mean, truthfully, you don't know, but what, what we do is you look at who you're working with. Um, uh, to start, I, I will say for, you know, when 300 was sort of the real surprise in that, um, I'd read the, the comic books ahead of time. I knew, I knew what they were. Okay. And I knew it was working. So when, um, Zach said he was going to do it, I thought, okay, but how? Um, right, because he hadn't. When I, I mean, saw the renderings, he hadn't directed had, a ton of movies to that point before doing three. No, nobody knew how good he was going to be. Right, you know, um, but we knew the graphic novels, and when they showed us that we would do a scene, and signing on, I didn't know, but I knew the stories, and I thought this is interesting, mm -hmm. but I wasn't sure. But on meeting him and then seeing his renderings. And how, and he explained how he was going to do it. And I was blown away. And we sort of thought this could work, but you know, you just don't know. And it came out and it was massive. Um, with James Cameron, 
you say yes because it's James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's a complete no-brainer. So, I mean, nobody knew how it was going to work, you know, um, but I will tell you the level of detail that he works to and he demands you know, you're studying a language, you're learning to walk differently, breathe differently, um, you're, you're, you're changing your body language to create a culture. Um, at that level and seeing the amount of technology used, you buy in. And I just, all I know as an actor is, my job is to buy in. If I really buy in, I give everybody else a chance to make, you know, make it all look good. Mm-hmm. Right? So you don't know, but you do know the players. Right. Um, at times, and that does make a difference because you know you have to trust um, that the people you're working with care as much as you do to make it brilliant. Is there uh, any chance? I, again, I don't. It's been so long since I've watched Avatar. I don't quite remember the fate of your uh, your character because you were one of the the um, the blue guys essentially. No, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Any chance yeah. you're going to be in? I know there's like three films coming out for it. Any chance you're in any of those? Yeah, three or four, and, and um, I don't, you know, I could, if I could tell you, I would. I honestly okay. don't know anything to, to pass on. Um, I do know that he's worked extremely hard, and, and there's, a num- there's a number of stories around the scripts that are out there, and some of the original cast I know um, have signed back on, so I think it's in process. Um, but currently, you know, my life is at midnight, and uh, as soon as that gets sorted, I do know um, that... You know, whatever happens, I'll know soon enough, and I'll be sure to pass it on. Excellent. Yeah, and I mean, if if you have time for one more question, I'd love to um, just ask quickly about, and maybe it's not a quick question to ask, but I I've, I've read up on your bio a little bit, and and I'm very interested in your past. I mean, uh, born in Ghana, moved to England, did some work as an engineer. And did I read right that you moved to Canada, but you also almost moved to Australia? Well, almost is a sort of a bit of a stretch. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, it's not necessarily true. You know, Ghanaian descent. And um, I, the, comp, the story is actually not as uncommon as all that when you think of sort of expatriates from the UK or France or whatever. Usually, sort of their families go move back to that capital. And my folks were students. And um, I moved out of that with my sisters. And. Eventually, when I made the decision to um, go to Canada, it was just one of those things where you're graduating and you're thinking, where do I want to go? And uh, Australia was a choice simply because I was fascinated by it, um, as I was fascinated by uh, Canada, and Canada worked out a little bit more straightforward. And also, it was a bit more accessible, so my parents were sort of a bit happier about that. Mm -hmm. So that's really what made the decision. Um, But, you know... The funny thing is, you know, the, the global traveling has has become so normal um, that it doesn't seem extraordinary to me now. Maybe it might have been, but you know what? This this is my story. This is the way it's kind of evolving, and I guess we'll see what happens next. Yeah, maybe it just seems so interesting to me because I've lived in Pennsylvania in the U.S. my entire 30 years of existence, so to... <laughs> to you know hear, hear read your story was was pretty cool and i mean i guess it's also i, I mean i know you you have done acting and, and theater and everything even before your engineering right. but the fact that you did engineering as well and then went uh to canada and, and to pursue acting is just it's it's pretty cool to to hear thank you yeah i mean you know it's funny because life evolves in this kind of 
you know, that's what the story is. And mm-hmm. it, it, nothing was planned. <laughs> <laughs> that's just all there is to it. Nothing was planned. I just, you know, living and reacting, and so here we are. And fascinatingly, I would say I've done more traveling as an actor than I would have done under any other circumstances, you know. Shot in New Zealand, in Morocco, you know, worked in, uh, you know, sort of all parts of the States. It's, and it's, it's just, it's interesting how it all plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I appreciate spending some, some time with me. And, and, uh, for those listening you. again, you can, I, I believe you can stream most, if not all the episodes of, of Midnight Texas to this point on NBC's website. Um, Mondays. Uh, check NBC's website. It's available. Yeah, Mondays nine eight central, and again the finale. Three more episodes left, so get caught up, binge watch it, find uh, watch the last few episodes live, and then uh, again. And you can, um, Peter, you're on um, Twitter as well, right? At P Mensa Online. That's right. Yeah, you can uh, join us P Mensa Online, and I'll be happy to respond and we'll talk. And also Instagram, same P Mensa Online. Um, and that a number of people actually tune in and have conversations with cast as the episodes are on. So come on in and enjoy the uh, enjoy the show and the conversation. Yeah, that's what I I know. A lot of um, actors will live tweet episodes and stuff. So that's awesome that you're accessible for that. So I know people people eat that up. So, <laughs> um, but but I thank you for joining me, and uh, hopefully, you know, we'll have you back on at some point for either season two or or Avatar two, three, four, five, however many that they decide to make. There you go. Thanks for your time, Matt. I appreciate it. Okay, that wraps it up for this episode of the Showcast. Thank you very much for downloading. And uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already, or Google Play. Uh, and check out nextlevelradioonline.com for the rest of our podcasts on the network. Ben and I will be at Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, New York, New Jersey, the weekend of the 16th of September, so just uh, a week away. So if you're going to be there, let us know. Love to say hi. Otherwise, keep an eye on our page, uh, Facebook, Twitter, facebook.com backslash next level radio online, Twitter, and Instagram at NXT level radio. Keep an eye on those as well as our events page, nextlevelradioonline.com backslash events. We will have interviews, pictures. Ben is moderating uh, two panels. Uh, so we will have a bunch of content coming at you from that. And I believe most of that will actually be posted for podcasts in the coming weeks. So uh, stay tuned. Again, make sure you subscribe. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, nextlevelradioonline.com, and then like all the socials to follow along and know when that stuff is up. So again, appreciate it for listening. Thank you, Peter, for coming on, and we will see you next time.